Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Y'all, I thought I was back in the fire service this morning around 2 two o'clock this morning. It's that jolt of energy that you get when the alarm goes off, when you're in a dead sleep. I had that last night. My fucking phone went off, but it wasn't a fire alarm. It was a goddamn tornado warning. <laughs> so I'm in the bed. It's just me and my dog fancy. And all of a sudden, you know, you ever hear them scary ass, um, weather alerts. That's what it was. And it took me a second to realize what was going on. And then I heard the wind howling outside. And I mean, when I talk about wind howling, it's, it's, I thought the roof was about to come off the house, the farmhouse. I said, oh, shit. So it said, tornado warning, seek shelter now, tornado on the ground. I said, motherfucker. So I grabbed Fancy. I grabbed my gun. I grabbed my flashlight. And we run downstairs. And I did what anybody in their right mind in a situation like this would do. I went out on the front porch and I looked up at the sky because I wanted to see it. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't believe it. I could hear everything going on around me, but I had to see it. Right. And I have a pretty cool shelter in my house. Actually, it's underneath the stairs and it's, it's it's in the pantry and there's like this cubby you could scoot down and get down into. I probably wouldn't be able to because my fucking back would go out and I'd end up dying right there in the fucking pantry with all the dry goods around me and fucking fancy would live and, It'd just be horrible. But anyway, we go out on the front porch and I'm not saying you could barely stand up, but I mean, you could, the wind was pushing and, um, the rain was coming in sideways. Fancy was scared as shit. Um, if I, if I said I wasn't a little scared, I'd be lying because it it was, it was kind of scary and lightning was popping everywhere, but it wasn't like, um, I didn't hear that freight train coming like everybody talks about, right? Everybody talks about the freight train. So I go back inside and I was like, all right, I got a couple seconds. Let me call my dad. If this thing's coming, let me call my dad and, um, you know, at least let him know what's going on. And, and kind of in a weird sense, I was trying to say goodbye just in case, you know, without saying it. Um, so I call my dad three in the morning, you know, he lives two hours South of me. And he wakes up, he's like, hello. And I said, Hey man, I'm just checking. Is, is the weather good where you are? And he said, yeah, it's good. Why? And I said, well, it's not so good here. I said, we just got a, uh, a tornado warning. And they said that a tornado is on the ground. Um, and we need to seek shelter and i and the weather is it's pretty bad here. And he goes, okay, well, well, we'll call me later. And I was like, God damn, that's it. 
Like, motherfucker, I was calling to tell you goodbye. This was my one phone call. This was it. And you told me to tell you, call you later. So I'm going to go ahead and put this on the record. If I ever get final words, um, I'm going to have to hire a messenger to send to my father because that was not the the send off I was expecting. But anyway, everything was fine. We ended up spending the rest of the night, me and Fancy, on the uh on the living room couch and fucking chairs were being thrown into the, uh, the walls, a pine tree outside snapped and all that, but everything's good. We didn't, uh, we didn't see, we didn't see anything and I'm here to record about it today. So, um, I hope, I hope everybody's new year is going well. I want to talk about, um, a little bit of self-control, uh, that, I, that I experienced the other day and I always love learning about this stuff and just kind of seeing the growth, um, the other day, my, my daughter was doing something and, uh, she got a little out of line. So I had to get onto her. And when I get onto her, she, she kind of pouts a little bit. And so I call her pouty face Holland and, uh, she didn't like that. And one thing I've always taught my, my daughters, I was like, you don't let people tease you. And if you tell them to stop, they need to fucking stop. And I was like, if they don't stop, you do whatever fucking you got to do. I was like, cause we don't, we just don't tolerate that shit. I don't tolerate bullying and all that. And that's what I teach my kids. Right. Well, I didn't realize it, but in a sense I went into bully mode because I saw that she didn't like it when I called her that. And so I called her, I called her pouty face hauling again and she yelled at me. She goes, I just told you to stop. And when she yelled, I immediately, I go to alpha male presence. I said, who, I said, Hey, who are you talking? Who do you think you're talking to like that? And I was trying to establish my dominance and don't challenge me. Right. And by asking that question, I was expecting to shut it down. And you know what she did? She walked up to me, looked me dead in my face and goes, I'm talking to you. And when she said that everything in me wanted to go straight to violence, everything in me wanted to go to I'm going to knock that look off your face, that old school, I'm going to show you who the fucking boss is kind of thing. But then I took a second and I said, you know what? I said, you're right. And I'm sorry. I said, I shouldn't, when you told me to stop, I should have stopped because that's what I teach you. And that's what I'm getting at. That's growth because I know even a year ago that wouldn't have happened. Shit, that was six months ago. That wouldn't have happened with me. And especially if I'm not out here in my place, we're on the farm when this happened. This is my, this is my spot, baby. This is where, this is the place that makes me good. So I was actually proud of her in that moment. And uh, when she walked away, I told my wife, I said, you know what? I said, good for her. I was like, because I teach her to stand up for herself. I teach her not to take shit from anybody. So why should she take it from me? And I wasn't purposely trying to be a bully, but I was doing it unintentionally. And when she told me to stop, I should have stopped. So why does it make it acceptable if for me, just because I'm her dad, does that, that makes it okay for me to push you when, when you're uncomfortable? No, it doesn't. And I was fucking wrong. And so I'm glad she stood up to that. And from that, I learned that whole, just because it's always been done this way, just because the parents always say it's right. Now I'm not going to let my kid run my house. That's not what I'm saying. But the old me. You know, I grew up, you don't talk back to your, your your dad. You don't talk back to your mama. But hey, guess what? Sometimes, sometimes the parents are wrong. And sometimes with what, they, what they're what they doing is wrong. And I, w- I was 100% in the wrong. And I'm just glad she stood up for herself in that instance. 
<clears throat> and I'm glad that I was able to stop and recognize and not let my ego get the best of me. And I think that's what happens a lot of time in confrontation. So even if that wasn't my kid, if that were another human being, when a man like an, an alpha throws out that, who the fuck you think you're talking to kind of thing, that's that, that's that I'm shutting you down and don't take another step towards me mentality. See, that's what, that's what cost me my career in the fire service without getting in it here. I told somebody at my firehouse one day, I said, don't you say another fucking word to me. If you do, you're going to pay for it. And that person did say another word and I wasn't able to control myself. And that is what I'm proud of. It's, it's, it takes a long time to get to that self-control. And it's like, I'm now I'm like purposely trying to master it. Although I know I never will, but I'm really, really like working on that because I'm telling you, you'll hear real leaders talk about being able to control themselves. Like if you're able to control yourself and not let another individual control you, that's a true sign of strength. And I didn't have that for a long time and I'm, I'm proud that I'm working on it. So let me ask you, are you, are you the kind that when you're challenged and I know a lot of us in this business are, and when you're the the kind that is challenged, do you immediately thought process goes out the window and you have to resort to caveman, cavewoman? Like, no, I'm the fucking boss. I'm going to shut it down. Or do you actually stop and recognize what's going on and recognize right from wrong? Think about that and think about that when you start to communicate with people that you love. Cause I, you know, I talk about communicating through trauma in my courses that I teach and, and it's not a one way conversation. It, it's, it has to be both ways and we have to get better at listening and we have to get better at understanding one another, not just my way or the highway, or it's like when we're at work, you know, you know how it is when you're police officers or on the fire ground. When you're trying to get a word in, you want to get a word in on an emergency scene and you got a motherfucker that's hot mic in or just what we call it stepping on the mic, just stepping all over somebody and you can never get, get your thoughts or your words in. And that's dangerous, right? And it's on an emergency scene, if you can't get the, the words out that you need to get out, that could be costly. It could cost people their lives, right? And it's dangerous in, in a normal relationship when we don't let the other person communicate with us. So think about it from that standpoint. I want to, I want to spend a little time talking about, um, after, after the show, right? When, um, when you're in the military or in the emergency services, it's all fine and good. And it's, what's a, what a fucking great ride it is when, when you're on the ride, but what happens when, when that ride comes to a stop, right? What happens when all of a sudden you're at the end of your career and you're stepping off the roller coaster for the last time, all the highs that you experienced, all the lows that you experienced, and whether, whether it, it comes to a stop abruptly or whether you see the end coming at some time, it has to end. And I talk about this in my course, post-traumatic purpose, because it's so important. And what a lot of people don't realize is how dangerous it is for the people that serve in these communities when they no longer feel beneficial, when they no longer feel relevant, when they no longer feel like they're a part of something bigger. 
And unfortunately, a lot of times we don't plan appropriately. All we do is we see the finish line. And I think we get so bogged down in our careers and we can't wait. We count the days. Everybody knows the days. They're counting the days. I got X amount of years. I got X amount of money in my retirement, blah, 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 blah. Well, when that day comes, they're so fucking jaded because they just spent a lifetime dealing with shit. And then it's hard to see all the good experiences out of it because all of a sudden you're just remembering all the baggage, all the carnage and all the, the administrative bullshit over the years. And you just want to leave it behind. And I've seen this personally a hundred times and I've actually experienced it myself. And when it was over for me, I didn't, I didn't get to plan my exit. It was, I, I was told you're done. And that was it. I showed up for work one day to go do the best job in the world, be a fireman. And then by lunchtime, it was over for me and I had no say so. And I had to go. And what happened after that was the hard part, right? When you're, when you're alone, you don't feel like you're a part of the machine anymore. And we were always told in the Marine Corps, right? When I was in the Marines, they were like, you motherfuckers think you matter. I would, this is, this is literally how it was said to us. They're like, cause we would get in there, we'd bitch, we complain, we'd moan and they would try to say, so USMC, they always told us you signed a motherfucking contract. Nobody drafted you in here. You volunteered for this. So stop bitching. You're getting what you asked for. You wanted this. So fucking enjoy it while you have it. That's the problem. Nobody wants what they have. I, I see so many cops. I see so many firefighters who are fucking utterly miserable. They got the job they wanted. They actually competed for it, right? Hundreds, if not thousands of people applied for this job and you were one of them and you were chosen because you stood out for a reason and they thought you would be the best candidate for the position. And we fail to see that. We fail to see that, hey, out of all of the people they could have picked, they picked me. So I should be thankful that I had the opportunity to serve in this capacity when I did. And I see so many people, they're so mad at the administration when they leave. They're fucking, they're ashamed to even say what they did for a living, you know? And it's, um, I'm not saying everybody, some, but some people. Here's the problem. Once you're out of it, you're okay with it for a few weeks, maybe even a few months. But as the weeks turn into months and the months turn into years, you no longer have people depending on you. I used to love going to work knowing that someone depended on me, a group of guys depended on me, and they knew I had their back too. And no matter what shit we face today, guess what? We got to face it together. Well, fast forward a year or two, and I'm out of the business. I don't depend on anybody anymore. Nobody depends on me. And you start feeling lonely and you start feeling not needed. And that's what happens with guys when they retire from this business and girls, they don't feel like they're needed anymore. And they end up on an Island all by themselves. And I'm going to talk about something that's hard to talk about. So in the military, we know the suicide rate, you know what the suicide rate is for the military veterans. Everybody say it. Everybody knows it. Say it. Say the number out loud. How many, how many veterans a day commit suicide? 22, right? Everybody knows that number. Why? 
because we make videos about it. We make push-up challenges about it. And we say 22, 22 veterans a day. And we go and we, we video ourselves doing fucking push-ups to say, and it's like, dude, you ain't saving a fucking person by doing a goddamn push-up. All you're doing is getting some likes on a fucking video. That's all you're doing. You want to change and you want to help people stop doing the push-ups and start talking to people and start putting your story out there and start telling, talking about how your behaviors destroyed your family, destroyed yourself and how after the job you felt like shit and you wanted to kill yourself and start helping these people plan for these exits and plan for these futures because a lot of times what happened yet, yeah, a lot of them are mentally, they get fucked up mentally and they don't get the help that they need. But a lot of the times, many times they just don't feel a part of anything anymore, something bigger. And that's a wonderful feeling when you're doing it, when you're on that, when you got that brotherhood, but when you don't have it, it's one of the most lonely, depressing places I've ever been in my life. And the reason I'm talking about this is I get a call the other night. I was watching TV. Excuse me. I got a text and it said, Hey, you got a minute. And this was a this was a chief from a, um, a very large department and I pushed pause on my little Yellowstone and I called him and I said, what's up, bro? And he says, man, we got a situation going on and don't really know what to do. And I was like, okay, well, what is it? And he starts telling me about this retired firefighter and, uh, this retired firefighter is having some problems at home. And I, I won't really get into the guts of it, but it, it revolved around suicide. Okay. So we, we end up communicating and I'll, he hangs up and, and he handles it on his end. And I, I, I told him, I was like, let me know as, as it progresses. Keep me, keep me in the loop, man. And I was sitting there in my chair after I hung up with him and I just felt fucking helpless because our fucking veterans, our veteran police officers, our veteran firefighters, I know how they feel. Here's what we don't talk about. We talk about the military veterans that kill themselves every day. It's 22, right? That's the veterans. That's not the active service. I talk about this in my class. Nobody, when we in emergency services talk about our suicide rate, do you know who we're talking about? We're not talking about our veterans. We're talking about our active service members. Those are the statistics that we keep track of. We keep track of the stati- of our current active members, how many people are killing themselves. And that's a lot. We're actually losing more on by suicide than we are on the, on, on duty than in the line of duty. One of the scary part, we're not tracking our veterans of this business. We're not tracking our retirees. We're not tracking the veterans in a veteran in the military. You can serve four years and you were, you're considered a veteran. Well, there's a lot of people that go into the fire service and don't retire after 30 years. Hell, I'm one of them. I did 10 and a half years in the fire service and police. So there are people that do two years that makes them a veteran. If they did it, they're a fucking veteran. We're not keeping tracks of those numbers, right? So here's the scary part. I was talking with this chief. Their department actually has tracked the veteran suicides. And this is why what they started doing is they were actually paying attention to cancer and they wanted to get caught up to speed on the cancer numbers. So what they did is they started going down their list of retirees like 25 years back. Okay. Listen at this 25 years, one department. And he started making calls to check in on veterans because guess what we don't do. We don't really check in on our fucking retirees and our vets. And you want to know something disturbing as they started calling these, uh, 
these numbers, they started getting a lot of the spouses on the phones and they were calling to check in on so-and-so. And after, I think he told me after about the sixth one that told, uh, told them, well, he committed suicide back in whatever year they started paying attention. They're like, wait a minute, that's six. Guess how many the number is from one department over the course. It was either 20 or 25 years. Guess how many I'll let you think about, say a number out loud right now. How many do you think from a very large department killed themselves in 20 to 25 years? 47, 47. That was retirees. That wasn't just veterans. That's retirees. Those are people that stayed on the job 20 to 30 years. You don't think there's a problem in this community. That's one department. You don't think there's a problem in emergency services community with mental wellness. You fucking crazy. There's still, there are still chief officers out there. There are still administrative officers out there who don't think that there's an issue. They still have that old school mindset of, well, you can't hack it. And I get it. I used to have that same mindset. Think about that number. Now you look at the departments across the country. We don't want to know the number, but see, here's, here's the honest truth. When you're out of the business, you're out of the business. Nobody checks in on you. You may stop around for coffee every once in a while, but after a while, the faces start changing in all the fire stations. You don't start recognizing people anymore. Same with the police officers, the police officers, some come and go. You don't recognize them anymore. So you stop coming around and before you know it, you're alone. And what you did over the course of your retired life is you've isolated yourself so much that you took all your problems home with you. And chances are you, you might be divorced. You may have pushed your children away because you're, because you never addressed your fucking problems, which led you to right where you are with a gun in your mouth and you want to end it all. And we got to do a better job at taking care of our retirees. We got to take a better uh, we got to do a better job at taking care of the people, even if they didn't retire, if they're veterans of it. And they actually, they, Hey, they showed up for fucking work. They put it on the line day in and day out, whether they were there six months or whether they were there 30 fucking years, they signed up and they were willing to fucking lay it all down for people that they didn't even know. But when we're done with them, we treat them like trash and we're just fucking done with them. And we're out with the trash. We don't have time for them anymore. Now, some departments, actually make a valiant effort to include their veterans. And I love seeing that. I love seeing retiree breakfasts. I love seeing, um, retiree, retiree ceremonies and all this, some departments, but then there are a lot of departments. They don't ever check on them. And I want y'all to think about that. And if, if you're in charge of something that your department, your police department, your fire department, what's stopping you from actually maybe developing a program to include your veterans. See, one thing we also don't talk about with suicides in this business is this. We don't talk about the families that end up getting torn apart because of this business. Now, this isn't me trying to like do, do any kind of kind of scare tactic or anything like that. This is just being having an honest conversation because I've also I've also been to classes where um people that are instructing classes they say, well, it's not the job. It's the numbers statistically that there's, it's a male dominated field. And, um, naturally white males commit suicide more than any other, uh, gender or race. And which is true. And, uh, but you can't tell me that this field has nothing to do with it. I guarantee you there's not, 
47 people who retired from Best Buy last year killed them fucking selves. Okay, I promise you that. There's something There's something to do with this business. Now, I'm not smart enough to figure out what, exactly what it is, but I'm not naive to think that this business doesn't have an effect on people because it had one on me, tremendous effect on me. And I was almost one of those statistics. We don't have to lose somebody to suicide for it to to have an effect. Think about the, the children that grow up in these homes that they seem okay on the outside looking in, but you don't really know what goes on in these first responder homes. I, I, I have, I kind of have an idea and it's not always what you think it is. And there's a lot of first responders out there struggling and their kids, unfortunately, they get caught up in that struggle too. And we're tearing people houses apart. You know, our divorce rates up 80, it's up to 80% divorce rate in emergency services. There's a reason for that. It's not just the schedule. It is the work. It is the stuff we go through and it's how we change throughout the years. We're not the same people that we were 10 years into this business and it, and it affects everybody. You don't have to go out and kill yourself for that to happen. You can kill your family slowly just from the business that you're in and you don't even realize you're doing it. We got to be be better at recognizing this and taking care of one another. I think, I think another, another thing that really affected me when I left the the fire service and I know I've talked to a lot of veterans and, um, I've actually talked to some special operations guys that I know. And one of the things is when you don't get to do the cool shit anymore, it's hard. Life is boring. Life is mundane. And I think that's what gets a lot of us. Um, when you don't get to do the cool shit anymore, when you don't get to feel that rush. So like, I think a, a large percentage of us are adrenaline junkies. And when there's no more adrenaline left to shoot into your body, what's the point in life kind of thing. And that was very, very hard for me. I don't do anything dangerous anymore. Really? Um, I, that's kind of why I got into comedy comedy. I felt like I was on the edge. Um, you were very vulnerable. Um, and at any time a crowd could turn on you and that was pretty, it was, it was intense, man, but it was fun. And other than that, there's no real scary shit. I'm not running into unknown situations anymore. I'm not that guy. I'm, 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 I might be sipping a cup of coffee, watching an unknown situation, but that shit gets boring. And then you start to lose that thrill. And once the thrill is gone, like BB King says, what's the fucking point? And so I think, I think at the end of the day, we lose a lot of people for that. And, and, and we, what we have to do, if you find yourself in that situation, you have to find a new calling. You have to find a new purpose. And that's why I encourage people to get out there and never stop growing. Don't let a job define you. Don't let a career path define you because inevitably that's all you'll ever be. And when you don't have that, because at some point it will go away. And when you don't have that, now you're stuck looking in the mirror thinking, who am I? And it may take you a decade to figure it out. And you don't want that because that's going to be one lonely ass decade. So start developing a skill set on the side. Start developing who you want to be. You're more than just a badge. You're more than just a police officer. You're more than just a firefighter. And you got to know that. I think another one of, one of the hardest things is when, when you go through post-traumatic stress and when you end up destroying things around you and people around you and relationships around you. It's hard to, um, it's hard to be proud of yourself, right? When, 
because at the end of the day, you you know what you are, you know who you are, you know whose fault it was. Hardest part's admitting that shit and owning it, right? But once you own it, overcoming all of that, working to be a better man, better woman, overcoming all the obstacles that were laid out in front of you, that's your fight and your fight alone. Nobody's going to do it for you. And it may take years to overcome that. And I'm going to tell you a hard part about that. A hard, The hard part about it is once all that damage is done, people don't forget. People have a hard time looking past your past. You have to be able to look past your past. And you have to be able to look forward to your growth process. And when once you grow, once you overcome things that, 47 retirees couldn't overcome. Okay. Once you refuse to become a a fucking statistic, you need to be proud of that. Nobody will ever know. And nobody will ever appreciate how hard you fought to get to wherever the fuck it is. You're going nobody except you and nobody. Very few people will ever acknowledge the hard work that you, that you did. Very few people will even appreciate your perseverance. You're going to come, you're going to come around those people and all they're going to see is the 10 years ago you, and they're going to, they're just going to be waiting on pins and needles and eggshells. They're going to be waiting for you to make a mistake. They're going to be waiting for you to say something like you used to say. You see, people have a hard time pulling people aside and expressing pride in them. People love seeing people fail. There's a lot of people that love seeing people fail. And that's because they're insecure with themselves. And that's because they understand that they don't have the fucking stones to improve themselves. So they sit back and they just judge and they wait. And they watch. And when you slip, they're there to fucking take note. And you can't worry about them. You got to keep pressing. You got to become the best version of yourself that you're ever going to be. And when you make it to the finish line, when you are that version, and when you actually can wake up, look in the mirror, and be proud, guess what you're going to see looking at, looking back at you? Just you. There's not going to be a lot of other reflections there. There's not going to be people when you cross that finish line, standing in the grandstands cheering for you. It's just not like that. That's how much damage we do along the way on that race to become better around the track. Every lap that we put in lap after lap after lap, what happens is the audience starts disappearing. The longer you go, people want instant results. And that's just not the the case. When you fuck up, People want to see you acknowledge it right then. And they want to see you become better right then. They can't wait five years. They can't wait 10 years. But see, in this business, with what we go through, we got to destroy everything in our path before we do that. It's it's called self-destruction for a reason. We don't feel like we deserve anything worth anything. So we burn it all down. And then when we get to that point where we do realize, fuck, this isn't what I want. I'm better than this. I want to make it all right. Good luck convincing everybody that you burned. Good luck. You can't focus on that. 
Use all of that energy and focus on yourself. Do the things that you can do. Apologize to the people along the way that you can and sincerely mean it. And when you apologize, I say this all the time, don't make it their fault. You own your shit. Make it your fault. Nothing pisses me off more than a half-ass apology when somebody apologizes to you and they make it your fault. They make it your fault that they treated you like shit. You can't, you just can't do that. So if you find yourself in this rut, if you feel like, man, I'm doing better, but nobody's coming around and acknowledging it. Nobody's giving me a pat on the back because let's face it. Everybody loves cheerleaders. That's why the fucking football teams, man, when they're down and they're in the hole and the cheerleaders are screaming for them, but the crowd is fucking booing them. They hear the people, the good cheers, right? And with this, the silence is deafening. That's what it is. There are no fucking cheerleaders. You may have people that support you, but they're not going to come around and give you the attaboys. So don't be looking for those. Don't be looking for congratulations. Just do your shit. Put your nose to the grindstone. Grind it the fuck out and become the best you that you would ever fucking be. Failing does not mean failure. See, failing is temporary. Failure is permanent. And that's what separates the two. Your situation doesn't have to be permanent. You don't have to be a failure. You're allowed to fail. People are allowed to fail. But we're also allowed to be resilient. It took a long time for me to be um, proud of of who I am. Um, There was a period where I hated what I saw. And the reason was this. I saw who I used to be. And I was so focused on, on who I used to be that... I couldn't see the man that I was becoming. I couldn't see all the positive things that were happening in my life. The changes, all I could see was the negative. I saw that I I wasn't a part of what I thought was so important, which was a career field that defined me being a first responder. Uh, I couldn't see past the fact that I was getting older and I wasn't as strong as I used to be, especially now, like when, cause I'm all broken down now and all beat up, but I couldn't, I see myself, I would see myself as a 23, 24, 25 year old Travis who was like Superman. And in my mind, and I wanted to still be that guy and I could never focus on the road ahead of me on who I was becoming. And when I learned to shift my my vision and my thinking and really learn to appreciate, you know what? I was that guy at one time, but I'm not anymore. I'm actually a hundred times better than what I used to be because I'm, I'm wiser now and I'm in a lot more pain now, but I like this version of me better than the old version of me. I was just an ignorant, (laughs) big, dumb ox that did dangerous shit. And now I'm not that guy anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that. We can't be the same person forever. And that's growth. And we got to learn to appreciate the growth. And and again, I think that's the hard part about transitioning out of these professions. When we transition, we look back and we see the person we used to be, not who we are. And when you can slow down, stop, focus on who you are and where you're going, I I think a lot of you will appreciate where you are if you just stop. And think about it and focus on it for a few minutes.
I've already said this a few times, but when I started this this podcast, I never knew what it was what it was going to become. Right? It's uh, I was told by a few folks you should start a podcast, and me not being tech savvy, I was like, "Fuck that! I'm not doing that." And then one day, last January, we started this podcast. That that's right. I say we, you all, and myself, and it has grown tremendously. And I'm very proud of it. This is episode 51. My next episode drops um, after this one. That'll be my one-year anniversary. And when I started looking at podcast statistics, it, I, I I was floored. 80% of podcasts never make it a year. 80%. And then I was like, man, I started looking into more stats. And then I was like, I want to think it was like 30, 30 downloads an episode when you're, when you, when you're starting out podcasting is actually considered really good. And we're about to hit 40,000 for my first year. Now, is that Joe Rogan numbers? No, but that means 40,000 different downloads. And that's how I guess this is resonating with people and, and, and how needed this topic is. I don't know if I want to shift gears or not. I don't know how much longer I can talk about mental wellness and stuff like that. I find myself incorporating parts of my daily life as learning lessons. And it's almost like I'm, I'm almost, it's almost like I'm, I'm just exposing my diary, but people are still listening and, and you guys are like very in tune with it. And I, and I can't thank you enough for being a part of this. Um, We've talked about guests and I'm just still kind of like, eh, I just don't like depending on people because <laughs> I've learned one thing. I can depend on myself. I'll show the fuck up every Monday. I'll be here. Um, but I just wanted to take a minute to kind of tell you where this podcast is going, where it's been and, uh, well, not where it's going. Cause I don't know, but we're, we're, we're doing it together. Um, but I just want to say thank you to everybody who's ever pushed play and went to listen to an, an additional episode and, and another episode and another episode and you've told people about it and it's I don't get anything for it but it is neat to know that it's not falling on deaf ears and it actually at the same time it's sad that it does relate to so many people I say this a lot especially in the last episode because it's is you know it's new years and I'm seeing people's resolutions and shit and it's like look you don't need a new year to start doing better. You know what a lot of people need? They need rock fucking bottom and they need to hit rock bottom and feel absolutely hopeless before they can ever change anything in their life. And I'll say in everybody, but there's a lot of people out there who don't understand the value and the concept of this life and they take it for granted and don't be that person. If you want to put implant or implement change in your life, don't let it get to that. Don't let it get to rock bottom because chances are when you get to rock bottom, you have destroyed everything around you. And I hate knowing that anybody has done that because it doesn't have to be that way. And I would hope, I hope that you can find the strength inside of yourself to do whatever it is that you want to do without letting a date on a calendar or rock bottom being your motivator. Be your own motivator, and I promise you, you're going to be so much more proud of yourself than than you can imagine. In closing, I get a um, I've been getting a lot of emails and um, 
inboxes on course registration for my course post-traumatic purpose. And here's the deal with that. Um, this course has not been open to the public where we go around or I say we, but me, where I go around and do, um, registered courses. So I want to, I want to publicly acknowledge what my course is here. This course is for, I'm trying, I, eventually I will get it out there to the civilian side, but this course right now is for emergency service responders, military, and their spouses. And the way that these courses are, are put on, it's individual departments hire me to come in and teach these things. Um, so if you work for ABC fire department or EFG police department, they would contact me, their training division, their chiefs, whoever decides like, Hey, this mental health thing is no joke and we need to do something about it. Then they contact me. I don't, I don't solicit people for this stuff. They come to me and they say, Hey, look, this is what we got going on. Um, what'll it take to get you here to our department to do this? And then we figure that out together. That's how we do this. And then normally these classes, they're opened up to emergency responders um, in that area. Uh, Some of them are private where they only have like their police department or their fire department or their dispatchers. But then some of them is a conglomerate where it'll be a fire department that's hosting it and they'll open it up to police, to dispatchers and to the spouses and everything. So eventually I would like what I would like to do. And I'm, I'm looking at some things for the future, possibly 2023 is to be able to do a tour where we can actually go around and open it up to civilians too, because look, trauma doesn't just affect first responders. It affects everybody. And I don't want to exclude anybody that may benefit from this. But right now I'm focusing on the first responders because that's where um, all the passion that I have lies right now. I mean, it it needs to be something needs to be done in these communities, and it's just it's just not happening fast enough. So that's kind of <clears throat> why I chose this route. <clears throat> and I want I want to say um, that you know I'll get I'll get questions or. Uh, submissions to come here to come there but I also talk in previous episodes where we're talking about balance and I can't be everywhere at once and as much as I I love doing what I do now um, I had to stop booking 2022 my 2022 is pretty much booked out now and I'm booking into 2023 already and that's crazy to know that that's how needed this shit is and it's scary and my, my hope is to one day not have to do this, you know, but will that happen? I doubt it. Um, so again, I just want to say thank you for all the support everybody's been giving me along the way. I wanted to tell you a little bit about my tour schedule and how the course registrations go because I've had so many questions and it's usually answered via Instagram messenger or an email and I'd, it's hard to explain all of that every single time a message comes through. And I know a lot of people listen to this, but if you're in an area where I'm coming, you can go to my website, travishouse.com. You can go to my website. And if you're, if you're in one of those areas, reach out to the departments I'm going to be in. I don't see why they would say no to a fellow first responder. I mean, if you want to come out to one of these events, so go check that out, uh, on my website. And if you're near, um, and if not, 
if I don't see you in 2022, hopefully I'll see you guys in 2023. And again, thank you all so much from the bottom of my heart. Next episode, that's our year episode. I don't, I'm not doing anything spectacular. It'll just be me back on this hot microphone. So I'll see y'all soon. I love you. Bye.